In this town, there is no off-season. The news never stops, and neither do we. It's always game day in Cleveland with Andy Baskin and Daryl Ryder. It is always game day in Cleveland. He is Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin, and we're brought to you locally by our good friends at Smiley One and Bryant, Northeast Ohio's premier heating and cooling solution. Daryl, so much to talk about as we get set for this game against Seattle where your team is 4-2. and two. If you look at the standings, you should be smiling, but there's a whole lot of turmoil going around Berea right now trying to figure out things. So Deshaun Watson officially ruled out for Sunday, and P.J. Walker will be playing Sunday, the starting quarterback. So, Daryl, take me through the Deshaun Watson, uh, day, the day in the life of Deshaun Watson. Well, we're not day-to-day now. <laughs> we're week-to-week. That's week. true, we're not. So, yes. uh, salute to the Cleveland Browns. for They, they got this one right. Uh, good job out of them. There's no drama. There's no suspense. It's going to shut him down for the week. He'll just do rehab, uh, no practice, no game on Sunday. It's PJ Walker's show. Um, you know, uh, Kevin Stefanski said that there's residual swelling in the shoulder as a result of that. So hit. isn't it, is that an advancement? Is that a reoccurring injury? Is that something that is aggravating the situation? And I hate to say this, but you asked the perfect question because I think we were all thinking of it when he said that it was um, uh, that there was inflammation or more inflammation. I think that's swelling. Some, swelling, same thing. That that happened. So that made me think, oh, where are we on the timeline? And and I thought you were perfect for bringing that up. Yeah, and uh, Kevin gave a great answer without answering the question because <laughs> uh, right now I think Andy, that is the question, right? Um, and I, I kind of chuckled because Tuesday night, all you know, what happened was let, let's dial this back. Let's rewind for a moment. Let's rewind the timeline for a second. Right. Okay. So Tuesday on, I think Fox sports radio, I think that's who Brady Quinn works for. I did not oh, have this, this is a good, my, this is the juicy story. Keep going. I, I did not have this on my Browns bingo card for the 2023 season, but so, so Brady Quinn goes on the air <coughs> and he, he, these are his words. He he called Deshaun Watson a trust fund baby, basically, because he got the $230 million contract. So Quinn now insinuated that Deshaun is mailing it in. Like, he is just going to cash his check with the Cleveland Browns, and that is a, a big part of him not being available, not playing, whatever. I will say this. I thought that was unprofessional. Brady. So can I ask you really quick farther? Daryl, we had a big debate about this, that Jeff and I had a big debate. Do you look at Brady Quinn, and, and, and as I know what you're talking about here, do you look at Brown's quarterback, or do you look at him as a member of the media? Yeah, I mean, he, he's he's both, Andy. He's he's both a former Browns quarterback, but he's also a member of the media. And, it, it, and when you go on your radio show or whatever, or a radio show, and you basically question a guy's toughness and accuse him of not playing – uh, or using an, inju- an injury as an excuse not to play, I think you're crossing a line there. That, that I mean, uh, you know, that's something I will never do. I will never question a player's toughness. Can I criticize why Deshaun Watson was unavailable to play 11 games la- uh, last season? Absolutely, 100%. To me, that's fair game. Um, but to accuse a player of just cashing a check, I think that that crosses a line. So what happened was is um, Deshaun's quarterback coach, and number one public defender on social media 
you know, uh, jumps on X, formerly known as Twitter, and, uh, you know, basically, uh, it, I'm going to give you the PG version of uh, the post. He just basically, oh, hey, Brady, uh, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. Uh, you're just sitting behind a microphone gossiping like a little high school chick. Uh, this is from Quincy Avery. This is Deshaun's uh, quarterbacks coach. Uh, and then, uh, you Let's know, Brady, forget and, was, yeah, Brady yeah. had a little dig in there. Yeah, yeah go well, ahead. I'm, I'm, I'm getting to it here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Brady, you know, says, hey, you know, come talk anytime you want in person, open invite, whatever. Avery responds, I just saw you Saturday and, you know, nothing really I want to uh, talk to you about. And then that's when Brady, uh, you know, says, I didn't see you or whatever. And throws in the dig, uh, you know, how, uh, you know, how about we, th this is what Quinn posted, quote, uh, back to Quincy Avery, quote, how about we massage this conversation and get it to a happy ending? Does that sound satisfactory? Um, and then it gets even more uh, interesting because Matt Leinert posts at Brady, hey, you know, Brady, how you doing? You okay? Whatever, something along those lines. And then Quinn again fires off. I just got done with a massage. Uh, you know, I'm fine. Um, and and it's like, look, Deshaun certainly has opened himself up to the the criticism and the jokes. I, I get that, but you're a member of the media now, Brady. And you know, I, I just I don't know that that's like the 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 best look to be throwing out there. Now you have the luxury. You're not in the Browns locker room anymore. You don't have to face Deshaun Watson. You don't have to face Deshaun's teammates. So it's easy for you to lob those grenades on social media like that. I just, I wouldn't have gone there, you know? Uh, well, there, there's always been, especially if you live in Columbus where, you know, Brady's from. Right. There has always been, uh, I'll go back to the mid-90s even, and later than that, that there was always a feeling that former players can say whatever they want, but yeah. media can't say everything. Yeah, and you know, look if you want to, if you want to make those jokes in private, or in the studio in private when the mics are up, fine. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that's happened. That has happened all across the country um, since those accusations became public. But um, I, I just I don't know that that was appropriate. Because here's the thing: the, the story isn't that. Like, no, it's not. And, and how I view that situation now and why I have focused all my Deshaun coverage on football is because by our legal justice system, Deshaun Watson is satisfying the, the court in, in the sense of he has paid restitution to the accusers via settlements to their lawsuits. I think he still has the two pending. Um, no uh, charge no criminal charges were brought against him uh, when uh, prosecutors looked into his alleged misconduct they did not find uh, you know sufficient evidence to move forward with a criminal case and and so you know th that's why now yes that is part of Deshaun Watson's story it will continue to be part of his story and it will always be part of his story uh, you know for the remainder of his career as well as life but like right now, that's immaterial to what's going on. And I, I just, you know, and I I find it interesting. And Kevin Stefanski made sure. And, and so what happened, the reason I brought all that stuff up, Andy, because I think what happened on Wednesday was 
a response because shortly after that whole exchange took place very publicly on X, then all the NFL insiders pop out with sources tell me that this is what's going on with Deshaun Watson's shoulder. And clearly that came from Deshaun's camp. They wanted the word out there that, hey, he's not here just cashing checks from the Cleveland Browns. His shoulder is jacked up. This is what's wrong with it, et cetera. Now, Mm -hmm. the fact that the NFL insiders tried to make the four- to six-week thing like that was some sort of breaking news was a little bit ridiculous because I last week specifically asked Deshaun about the timetable related to the rotator cuff because when you get checked out, the doc tells you what your recovery time is looking like. Estimated, yes, estimated. And Deshaun eventually got to it but said four- to six-week injury based on the research and what he has heard, et cetera, right? So that leads us to Wednesday. And Kevin Stefanski coming out and doing two things. One, putting to rest. Deshaun's not practicing. He's not playing this week. It's P.J. Walker against the Seahawks. That's one. Two, Stefanski multiple times saying, Deshaun is trying like hell to get out there. This is not a lack of effort. This is not a lack of commitment. This is not a lack of leadership. This is not uh, him cashing a check. Uh, I'm throwing that last part in there. Right. But, you know, he made it a point multiple times to come to Deshaun's defense of this injury. And, you know, that, again, I think was a direct response of everything that took place Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday evening on that social media platform to make it clear Deshaun's not available this week. We're going to shut him down. They're swelling. Now, here's the other concern that I have, Andy, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is with the swelling or the the additional swelling that has ta- – the residual swelling, I believe, is the words that uh, uh, Kevin Stefanski used. Rewind to what Deshaun said again last week. Um. Sorry, I just got a text. I had to read it for a second. That's all right. Um, last week he said this. It took until the. It took about a week for the swelling to go down in the shoulder. So Saturday night before the Ravens game, or the Saturday I should say before the Ravens game, got the MRI, got the results or whatever. After that swelling went down, and that's where they discovered the significance of the injury. Okay, now so my question is because Stefanski says there's no structural damage, uh, there's no additional damage, whatever, it's just swelling and everything's hunky-dory and fine. Right. Aside from my timeline question, question number two is, well, if there's swelling in the shoulder, does he have to go back for another MRI when that uh, swelling goes down again to make sure that there is an additional damage? Because if the swelling in the shoulder prevented them from seeing the original injury, right? Right then why is it not reasonable to expect that the swelling is going to prevent them from seeing the extent of this particular injury? So there's a lot to, to there's just so many tentacles to this particular situation involving Deshaun more than just, he's out this week against Seattle. Uh, we, we have no idea what the timeline is. I don't think we still have a, a, an accurate diagnosis uh, or timetable for going forward now because of this swelling again i'm just remembering what we had heard before right and unfortunately for the browns andrew berry kevin stefanski ended up both being dead wrong that this was not going to be a long-term injury because as we go now this officially is a long-term injury you're talking a month plus 
that Watson will have been dealing with this. So, Daryl, let me. Uh, I'm going to leave this, and we're going to go to break. The other part of the thing that I thought about the inflammation today was, what if the micro tear got a little bigger on yeah. the hit in the game? I mean, we just don't know, and that's why the timeline is is the big question here. So, all right, let's come back. Not to be low key on timelines and trying to figure out, you know, what what path we're actually on, but. Uh, let's come back. I want to talk more about that. I want to talk about some awards that were handed out today. And I also want to get into what I thought was really interesting and no one talked about, the lakefront development. Because if you look at the stadium, looks a little different in that lakefront development uh, model that you've seen. So I, want, I definitely want to get to that. It's always game day in Cleveland. It is always game day in Cleveland. He is Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Bass. All right, Daryl, we've got plenty of other things we can talk about, especially when it comes to the Browns. And I uh, want to remind you that uh, today's episode, as always, is brought to you locally by Smiley One and Bryant. That's right. Northeast Ohio's heating and cooling experts. So, uh, Daryl, anything before we get to what I want to talk about, a big awards again, special teams player of the week and defensive player of the week. Yes, of course, a quick reminder that uh, sports betting is legal here in the state of Ohio, and BetQL is ready to help you make the most informed bets possible. You can get all of today's winners by heading to BetQL.com or by downloading the BetQL app. Claim your free three-day trial today. Head to BetQL.com slash news slash 92.3 The Fan for all of those exclusive sportsbook offers. All right, Daryl, even before I get to the awards, we didn't even get into P.J. Walker, so... He has now been added to the regular roster. He will start this week. And how was that going over in the locker room? Well, I um, we got all this news after we got in the locker room. So um, we'll find out tomorrow how things are going. In the all right, then how's it going in Berea? Um, but look, I mean, the, the numbers are ugly. He's, he's completing 50% of his passes. He's got three interceptions, no touchdowns. Almost had a fumble thanks to the flag. Uh, that got, you know, wiped off the board. Uh, they're going to need a defense really to carry them. Uh, they're going to probably have to pare down the offense a little bit for him as well. Uh, I asked Kevin Stefanski, you know, the difference between this year and last year, because remember last year with Jacoby Brissett, they had to run a completely different offense than what they wanted to run for Deshaun Watson. A great point. It was a great point today. And, um, and now, it, it, you know, I, I was trying to get Kevin to talk about what changes he has to make for PJ Walker, if any. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it it doesn't seem that there's too many. It, it it does feel like it's pared down a little bit offensively, Andy, but um, I don't know that it's as drastic. But the the other uh, complication is PJ Walker is not giving you what Jacoby Brissett gave you a year ago either, uh, as far as you know performance. I mean, God bless him. He's going out there. He's busting his ass. He's doing the best he can do. You know, he's been put in difficult situations a couple of times here which as Kevin talked about on Wednesday, that's, you know, Hey, that's the life of being a backup quarterback in the national football league. But a reminder, he's on the active roster now because they were out of elevations. So they had to uh, use a 53 man roster spot to sign him off the practice squad to the 53. And now we don't have to worry about it going forward. He is the number two quarterback as far as whether or not they're going to make any quarterback changes. Doesn't sound that way. Uh, Stefanski flat out said when asked, uh, I'm, uh, you know, we feel good about the group that we have. And I will say this, when Kevin tends to say that, they don't make changes. Hmm. Like, historically, when you go back, right, because it's a very ambiguous answer. You got a lot of room, things that you We can debated also, this too, yeah. yeah. You know, things can always change, right? Andrew Berry could, you know, pull a rabbit out of his hat and, you know, make a trade or something like that. 
Well, I mean, you never know. You got the trade deadline coming up, and general managers right. are talking every day. So right. October 31st. So but the whole thing is is typically though, when Kevin Stefanski says they feel good about the group they have, they don't make changes in the room. Gotcha. Um, you know, historically. So remains to be seen there. And again, I think a lot of this has to do with the proper diagnosis of the timeline for Deshaun. Like if Deshaun's back for Arizona, right? Or if he's back for Baltimore, do you need to go out and get a quarterback? You know, that's a tough decision to make, right? Um, but if he's going to be out even longer, then yeah, I would say you got to go get a quarterback because you can't allow this to derail this season. For as good as this defense is, Andy, I don't know if it's realistic to expect that they're just going to carry the freight for the rest of the season. Um, you know, you're going to have games like you had Sunday in Indianapolis where they're going to give up 450 yards. They're going to give up points. In this case, they gave up 38 points. Like, that's going to happen. Now, they also created four turnovers, right? Gave, uh, gave the offense uh, plenty of uh, additional opportunity. Um, thank God for Dustin Hopkins uh, with his, you know, 50-yard bombs that he's been hitting with regularity. Seven of them ties Phil Dawson for a franchise record in a single season. Broke an NFL record for most consecutive weeks hitting 50-yard field goals with five in a row or whatever. Um, but, you know, they're in a very, very tough spot because of this Watson injury. Hmm. Yeah, no, I, I believe, I mean, everything you're saying, it, it makes things difficult. You're expecting the defense to do a lot more than you would most other defenses. And speaking of defenses, Miles Garrett was named the defensive player of the week, and he said it. Hopkins for the second week in a row uh, garners the special teams player of the week. Both yeah. of those awards well, well, well deserved. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, Hopkins, uh, what's interesting about him, you know, he came to town. And this was like my biggest reservation about him when the Browns acquired him was like distance, right? Because his career numbers, he was 50% uh, from beyond 50 yards. And my whole take on the kicking situation was they needed a weapon at that spot. Like that was a spot where they needed a dude that could consistently nail field goals from beyond 45 yards. Because let's be honest about it. It's just reality. You're going to have drives that are going to stall around that 30-yard line, so you want to be able to at least get three points consistently out of those. And he has been absolutely fantastic. It was interesting listening to him talk on Wednesday where he talked about, you know, I've been in situations where I haven't gotten a lot of shots consistently at the 50-yard field goals, uh, whereas like here in Cleveland, I have. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he said that has actually helped him a, a little bit. Um, and, and then, uh, you know, then if you miss a 50 yard, then the coach doesn't want to go back to you. Right. So they right. become shy about trying those field goals and, and things like that. Whereas I, he's clearly, he's earned the trust of Kevin Stefanski. That's why I ran him out there for that 58 yarder. That yeah. he, I mean, he had that thing from 65. So he really has turned into a weapon for this football team and, and a very important one, because right now this offense with P.J. Walker running the show, oh, man. Like, it, it's hard for them to score touchdowns. Thank God they got Kareem Hunt. Um, I I love Nick Harris lining up at fullback in front of him. I hope that that's something that we see again. Obviously, you can't get too tendency heavy. They ran that particular one to the left. They're going to need to run that probably sometimes to the right. Although, uh, you know, the right side uh, of your line with Dewan Jones and Wyatt Teller, you feel really, really good about that. Um but, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it, as far as, like, the passing game goes, I, I feel like the only way they're going to score touchdowns is if Amari Cooper, David Njoku, 
DPJ, like dudes catch catch footballs and they make plays and they score, you know, score touchdowns that way. Like I'm not looking for PJ Walker to be dropping dimes in the back corner of the end zone on fades. But Daryl, the only issue I have with Nick Harris playing fullback, which I'm I'm good with it, um, is that they don't have a regular basis. I'm just no, no, no. Look, I like it when they throw the defensive guys in there at fullback. That neither none of that bothers me. I think it's creative, and I think it's probably one of the things that people don't pay attention to. But it really is effective. I think it's great. My only worry when Nick Harris goes out there is you really. I mean, let's be honest. You only have three guys yeah. on any given day to back up that offensive line, James Hudson, Nick Harrison, and Luke Whipler. I mean, that that's the only thing that kind of caught my eye. I was like, okay, I like it. I like the fact he's doing this. But the depth, the second-team depth at the offensive line is something that scares me. In fact, we were you talking about – what you're doing right now, don't you? What, say that again? You know what you're doing right now, don't you? I'm looking for more offensive linemen, or I'm jinxing no, them? you're living in your fears. Well, you can't, I'm okay. you can't I, play this I, game I, with fear, Baskin. You know I'm it. not playing with fear. I want them to pick up another offensive lineman yeah. or maybe what's going on with Leatherwood. Leatherwood, I don't know. But I, I'd feel better if I saw four backup def, uh, offensive linemen on game day. That's all. Yeah, well, I well, uh, I don't, don't think I'm, I mean, I don't think it's crazy to go in and think, okay, I've got backups on the offensive line. Have four backup offensive linemen up. I don't know if that's possible. You got to have you mean three, for the right? Browns or any you, team. No, for any team, you got you got to have you got you, you you need a backup guard, you need a backup tackle, and a backup center. Three. You lose two, you're in big trouble. Oh, I know. I'm just I, saying, know. I mean, we all know it. I don't know why teams would play so thin on that. Yeah, I know. Uh, and, right. and 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 we know the the recent history of the Browns. Unfortunately, with you know the offensive line, they they have been banged up uh, uh, up front. But kudos to those guys, man. Um, you know. I don't think Bill Callahan gets enough love nationally for how good of a coach he is, <laughs> how consistent the Browns offensive line has been under Stefanski. It's 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 consistently been a strength of the team. Sure, there's been a position here or there, Jedrick Wills, where you're not all that confident or sure what you're going to get from down to down. But just by and large, it just seems like no matter who they plug in uh, because of injury, that player steps in and play like they just always seem to go out there and play well. And I think Bill Callahan uh, deserves a tremendous amount of credit for that. Um, and also the success that the Browns have had running the football over the last couple of years. Yes. I know they've had Nick, Chubb, they had Nick Chubb and, you know, Chubb makes guys miss and whatnot, but um, you know, the, the, the pull schemes that they use uh, and, and that I just, I think that they're superb in the execution of those schemes has been just as superb. All right, Daryl, uh, you know what? I'm going to wait. We'll do this next segment because I want to talk to you about what Jim Mercer said today, and then we'll get into Lakefront development. So uh, we'll talk about that. It's always game day in Cleveland. That's coming up next. It's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin, brought to you locally by Smiley One and Bryant. Northeast Ohio's heating and cooling experts. All right, I, three things I want to talk about in this segment. First, let's start with the running back situation because the Browns are thin. Did they bring anybody in? And they did add another guy. Yeah, uh, so right now the the running back by committee looks like uh, Kareem Hunt and Pierre Strong. Uh, they also signed two players to the practice squad, uh, Nate McCrary and Jordan Wilkins. Uh, those two moves were made now. Uh, Kevin Stefanski mentioned that 
um, those uh, particular moves, uh, one of those guys is going to be up um, okay. on Sunday. He knows which one. He's not telling us which one. He, you know, said we'll figure it out by by the end of the week. But he has an idea which one will be the third running back. So they have given themselves a little insulation there. McCrary, he's a first-year player at a, a, a Saginaw Valley State. Uh, the Ravens signed him as an undrafted free agent back in like 2021, uh, had one game with the Ravens. Um, he was with the Browns earlier this year, uh, played in a preseason game. Uh, Wilkins, a little more experience. So I'm guessing this is the guy that's going to be up because of ex experience. Six year uh, player. Uh, he's a former fifth round pick back in like 2018 of the Colts. Uh, he's got 54 regular season games with four starts under his belt. Uh, four touchdowns, 1,000 yards, 200-plus carries as well. Can catch the ball out of the backfield too. So uh, he was also with the Browns during the preseason. So there's some, some familiarity uh, with this offense. So uh, my money is on Wilkins being elevated uh, to the game day roster as a standard practice squad elevation at Seattle. All right, Daryl, let's get to the next subject because new plans came out for the lakefront. And as I looked at that, those lakefront plans, uh, Cleveland Brown Stadium definitely had a much different look, especially on the north side uh, where things looked a little boxy up there and it looked like there was some expansion in the stadium. They looked like, now, did I misread that? Or, I mean, you're looking at artist drawings, so you might know, you obviously know a little bit more about this. What's the latest on the lakefront development? Uh, well, let's start with the uh, the stadium design. I I, I will say this. Um, the, uh, space rendering that they did, uh, for this thing, um, there is some, how do I want to say this? Well, I'll get myself in trouble because I'm not supposed to reveal some stuff. Um, I will just say it's an informed rendering. How about that? I think that's, okay. a, that, that, that's, that's a fair way to put it. Right. So, I, I mean, the outside of it looks like what they did to, uh, Rocket like Mortgage what they did to the queue. Yeah. To Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. Yeah. But they uh, so, expanded it out into an area where there's plenty of room to expand. Although there's a an underground service area that they would have to or reconfigure the underground service area over there. So there's a lot that they're gonna have to to do. That's why the price tag is uh, approaching 1.2 billion dollars just to do a renovation. Um, <laughs> I you know uh, as far as like what the city is you know proposing and like wanting to do. Um, it's it it looks it looks great okay uh, let me say that first and foremost it it looks great um I, I just don't know feasibility andy of having the stadium where it's at uh going forward i i just i i don't um i have a lot of reservations a lot of questions about it um i, I just i don't know that it fits um in that particular spot but the stadium remains at the center of this plan uh, that the city of Cleveland uh, has, you know, put out there that they're, uh, you know, going to do uh, or that they would like to do, um, you know, when you talk about this, this lakefront re redevelopment, but yeah, I, 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 I maintain they, the Browns need to get off the lake. I, I, I feel strongly about it. Do you think the Browns want to get off the lake? I think the Browns are willing to do whatever they have to do to get what they want. 
as as far as their uh, stadium uh, situation goes. So these are, uh, I'm pulling up my, my, I've been trying to pull up my renderings from the city of Cleveland here. Um, So as I look at it, the land bridge is included. Right. Um, They are, they want to put green space over the parking garage uh, behind like city hall and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, they want to basically turn the shoreway into a boulevard, which I think that's going to be a nightmare, a traffic um, nightmare. Um, I don't know. I, I think about Chicago, and you can see where it was there, and it's not a nightmare there. And they're yeah, well, but it, here, here's why it's a nightmare because the inner belt is a nightmare at times. Okay, and so well, you're but you're essentially. Over, I mean, if you can get rid of Dead Man's Curve in the process of this, then it's but, a win-win. no, no, no. This has nothing to do with Dead Man's Curve. This well, is, if you're turning that into a boulevard up there, right? Well, if two becomes a boulevard, Dead Man's Curve's got to be affected in some way. Dead Man's Curve becomes even more uh, important because that's the only way to get around downtown on a freeway. Right. Okay. Well, remember at one point they were talking about they were talking about getting rid of the exits downtown. Yeah. Well, that's uh, that's, uh, that, that's ridiculous too. That, that's that's what, what they would be doing. The East Ninth Street exit goes away. Like th- this is, I, I just. Again, this looks good. It's very impractical. Yeah, I was talking about Prospect and Chester. Those, yeah. I mean, that, like I, I don't see anything, a world where those should go away. If anything, what they should do is bury the shoreway, build on top of it, so you still have that freeway going through downtown. You can right. still get off at East Ninth Street, but you're basically choking off access to nor- the northern part of downtown Cleveland, the lakefront. You're choking off freeway access. And you're creating very limited entrance points to those. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a traffic nightmare. But so these are some of the things that they want to put in and around Cleveland Brown Stadium. They got rooms for some commercial development. They got something that they're calling a village north mm-hmm. of the stadium. They got uh, uh, urban promenades. They got a food hall and market. They got an amphitheater. Now that sounds really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, for the they, Rock Hall in particular? Yeah. No, it's it's uh, over. This is in front of the stadium, actually. Um, They've got, let's see here. uh, They got some kayak access. They got some wetlands they want to put in. They've got uh, some lake ledges. Basically, the you know, that water feature they have on Public Square right now where you can Mm -hmm. like walk through it and stuff. Looks like they want to build one of those on the lakefront. Uh, They want to put some cafes and cookout areas and a little bit of a, you know, a beach area or sun area. There's some lawn and park space. And I, like I said, I just feel is, like. Is the airport going away in this thing or not? No. No, the airport can't go away. We're stuck with Burke Lakefront Airport. We're not stuck with yes, that thing. Are. Come on. It's going to take 20 if years. Chicago, if Chicago could get St. rid of their Louis airport, we could get rid of decades. ours. St. Louis needed two decades to get rid of their regional airport because as long as the FAA is pumping money into Burke Lakefront Airport, that resets the clock on being able to shut that thing down. Why it's can't the-, the FAA just put some more money into – how about take that area where they were talking about building a stadium out by uh, by Hopkins and, and extend whatever they need there or put it into Cuyahoga County or put it into Lost Nation. I, I mean, I know that the you know, like one of the only benefits you want to of know that why? airport being there. People like using Burke Lake Front Airport. That's yeah, because great. they don't have to stay in Cleveland very long because it's right. an easy place to park your plane. Right. But if you have a plane, if you have a private plane that's a little bit bigger, you still can't park it there. You gotta you have to go to Hopkins. 
If you have a private plane that's like a, a, a little bit bigger than some of the jets, obviously that you can see fly in and out on game day, they still well, have if you to have Donald, if you have a Donald Trump plane, you have to fly into Hopkins. And there are not many people not named Donald Trump that have one of those planes. Mm, that's not necessarily true. Like I've I'm giving I, you a hard time. I know. I just I've got a little. You're in no mood there. to deal with my chicanery today. I no, I don't care about your chicanery. I just I Burke Wake Lakefront Airport is the it's biggest waste of space. It's is the biggest away. waste of space in a seven county, seventeen state area. It's not Get going away. Get rid of the thing. I, I know, but it's not going away. I'm just telling you. It's not going away. They can't get rid of it. Like they just can't. But I just. I I see what Chicago did. And I I look at where that airport used to be there. And I'm like, why can't we? Maybe we just need more corrupt politicians that can get rid of it quicker. How's that? (laughs) Somebody that can fast track this thing to get rid of it. I look, I, I think that what. Isn't there NIL money for the FAA? Can we get some some (laughs) NIL money for those guys? Well, spawn. Brought to you by American Airlines. Anyway, um, or, or Spirit Airline. Which, which, what, what's the really bad airline that everyone hates and complains about? Never mind. I don't. You know I why? Don't we, I won't say there's a bad airline because if I'm on it, I don't want to. <laughs> we myself. may need them to sponsor this podcast. Anyway, that's fine with so, me. Yes, <laughs> they're all great airlines. Anyway, so, um, but look, the, the stadium just is a fish out of water in this plant. Like it's it, agree, it's stuck, agree. It's stuck in the middle of all of this great stuff that they want to build. And they just they got to get this thing off the lake and use that lake lakefront for the type of stuff that the city wants to. Right. And the right. other thing, too, is there's an economic component to this. And that is like Cleveland's got to get out of the stadium business. Plain and I simple. agree. I, that no stadium is owned by this. the city of Cleveland. Like I can't get my neighborhood streets paved, but they got the money, you know, to put into the stadium to fix stuff that they have to fix to keep people safe there. Like, you know, police and fire and other city services. And like, it's a big chunk of money that that stadium costs pretty much on an annual basis now to maintain for the city. So they got to get out of this. This is a regional thing. This is a county thing. This is a Northeast Ohio thing. This is, you know, the the state's probably, you know, they probably want the state to kick in some money here too. But like right now it's the the last time they renovated this thing and it was only 125 million dollars and i say only because when you compare that to the 1.2 billion you know this one's going to cost 10 times that cost right everybody right. lost their you know what because the city of cleveland committed to 25 or 30 million dollars over 15 years like 2 million dollars a year toward the stadium and everyone went bananas over it even though the browns financed 100 million of it uh, themselves and they did that by selling the naming rights and that's fine Mm-hmm. But like, um, you know, what are you going to do now with the city owning a, a, a stadium that needs to be one point two billion in renovations? Like the, the Cleveland just does not have that kind of money here. They they just don't. Everybody that has money does not live in Cleveland. They live in the freaking suburbs. And then all the suburb people come in and they bitch and complain because the roads suck and the parking sucks and this sucks. And that. we'll live in the city. Like, that's the thing, you know, they're they're building all this housing downtown and whatever. You know, there's so much urban sprawl right now that, you know, I, I, I read a study where like most Browns fans, the vast majority of Browns fans, they don't live in the city of Cleveland. The, the ones that enter. Well, that's that true enter, of all the pro sports teams in town. No, but that's my point. Like, yeah, you know, that's why have you ever heard the Guardians or then Indians say we might be better off if we were on yeah. Rockside? 
Mark, Mark, Mark Shapiro said that they were better off building the ballpark in Independence than in Cleveland because they'd have bigger crowds because people don't. And Atlanta, Atlanta is living proof of that. I mean, they had a brand new uh, ballpark that was reconfigured in 96 from the Olympics. And the next yeah. thing you know, what, a, you know, a little bit more than a decade later, they're out of there. Yeah. And, you know, you look at some of the, the, the big, you know, SoFi Stadium, uh, Jerry World. Uh, the Viking stadium is a little bit of aberration, but it's not necessarily downtown Minneapolis. It's a little outside of downtown where there's room for parking lots and stuff like that. Like, so when I look at this plan, you basically are going to have to walk a bunch because you can't get cars down to the stadium, which by the way, on game day, you can't get cars down to the stadium past 10 AM. If you're trying to get, if you have a parking pass, uh, I know, I know I'm explaining to people. Like if you, if, if, if you, have to have access to the stadium and even you have a pass if you're not in by 10 a.m or 10 30 at the latest you can't get to the stadium because they choke it off and 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 so i just think like convenience like fans want to tailgate they want to eat and drink before the games and stuff like that there's no tailgating here in this in this plan and and i'm not criticizing the plan understandably so so like one of the tailgate lots by the way the west third lot this this plan, Andy. Guess what goes away? The West Third West Lot. Third, West Third Lot's gone. That's where commercial development is is slated to go. So sure. this is this is not a football stadium friendly plan. It's as if the city of Cleveland is seeing the open space around the stadium and like, okay, here's all the stuff we can fit around the stadium. But like, I just I don't know that much of it really enhances the fan experience, so to speak. And, and that's why I just, again, I love this plan. I think it's great. It's about time Cleveland is moving forward with something to do something with that lakefront. I just think that the Browns need to commit themselves to getting away from the lakefront, build something new elsewhere, easily accessible for fans by car, okay, and where fans can tailgate and do what they do now. Because this new plan takes away two major tailgate lots and also takes away a chunk of the Muni lot. Smell it coming, brother. Smell it coming. Daryl, thank you very much. Always appreciate your insight as we get forward to talking about what's next for the Cleveland Browns. And we do know what's next. It is the Seattle Seahawks. It's a late afternoon game for, uh, after 4 o'clock start here Eastern time. So uh, we will uh, have our post immediately following that as well. So make sure you're in for that. We appreciate you watching on YouTube. We really appreciate you listening on the Odyssey app. For our amazing producer, Meredith Kane. he's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. It's always game day in Cleveland.